Our scripture reading today comes from the first letter of John. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that this is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be astonished, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to the life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Mercy. You know, it says a lot um, about our need to be in the presence of God when the third person to ever walk the earth killed the fourth person. For a brief time, one third of all people on earth were murderers. It's literally the first thing that happens after Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. Chapter three, banishment. Chapter four, Cain kills Abel. And as we just heard from the first letter of John, whoever does not abide in love abides in death. And there's plenty of evidence to back that up. So how do we do that? How do we abide in love? What does that look like? These last few weeks, we've been talking about how we were created by God, that all persons are individuals of sacred worth, equally valuable and created in the image of God. We've also talked about how we were made to be with God, acknowledging our complete dependence on God in birth, life, and death, and that even though God knew we would mess it up, created us anyways, knowing that the path we would choose would ultimately lead to the cross. In the image of God, we have been created through a direct An intentional act, remember, God is not haphazard, a direct and intentional act, God called all of creation into being and set us apart. Through the birth of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the tangible body of God, the true light of love and creation took on human form to walk with us, to talk with us, to be present in our world and ultimately die for us. God reminds us of our purpose in his world. The Almighty Father, King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, has called each of you, each of us by name. 
He says, I made you. You are mine. I want you. There is nothing you can do that can separate us, even unto death. At all costs, I will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. We were made by God to be with God. And now through the power and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have the ability to live into the fullness of our creation, which is to be like God. Before I came here as, uh, to do the band and the music, I was the uh, youth uh, director over at University Baptist Church. And when I started there, my first year, I had to plan and organize a mission trip. I'd never really been on a mission trip um, at that point. So I planned, I put it together. We went through this company called YouthWorks. Uh, Megan uh, Wilson went with me. And um, she was a teacher from the school I was working at. And she came as the female chaperone. And so we took a group of youth, um, probably about 12 of our high school and middle schoolers, to Charleston, West Virginia. Um, we wound up, the group I was with, um, six or seven of the kids came with me. And we went, found ourselves working at a Salvation Army slash Boys and Girls Club summer camp program which I was a little hesitant about having just finished a whole year of teaching. And now the first part of my summer is, again, taking care of a bunch of little kids running around. So I was, I was a little uh, whelmed at that point. But I watched as throughout that whole week, the kids I had brought along with some other kids who were there with the YouthWorks program connected with these kids. These were kids who showed up without any food for lunch. Their parents did not pack them a lunch. Their clothes were dirty and torn. Their shoes were falling off and needed to be reattached and glued back together. And I watched as all of the youth connected with them and played with them. And I was overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit in that time of ministry. I watched as five of the youth um, I brought with me sat there on that last day in front of the group of children and gave their testimony talking about who God was to them, their walk, their journey with Christ, and sharing that with all of these children, telling them it's going to be okay. And then on the last day, as we were getting back into the van and driving away, and all the kids came out on the steps, and they were waving goodbye, and all the kids were waving goodbye, and I remember this very clearly. There was not a dry eye on that bus, in that van. They were so connected to those kids and what they had done and in the relationships they had built that everyone on the bus, all the high schoolers, you know, very hardened by the world, but all of them bawling. And I remember that, and I remember driving, and everyone's crying. I had to pull over, and I said, y'all got to stop. I can't drive like this. Get it together. And they said, but it hurts. We can feel it. It's a physical sensation. It hurts knowing that what we had, we had to leave them. And it hurts right here. And I said, of course it does. Of course it does. Because this is what you were made to do. 
You are made to be in this environment of ministry, to work beside one another in Christian love and to help and show that love to other people. It is what you are made to do. So when you know that you're leaving it and you're going away from it, it's going to hurt. Like the parents with their kindergartners on that first day of school, it's going to hurt a little bit. Anyone who's ever been to ASP or to Haiti or any other mission trips through this church, you know that feeling. You know the presence of the Spirit and what can be accomplished when you are doing the work of the kingdom. Because that's what we're made to do. In the first letter from John this morning, it's believed to be the same author who wrote the Gospel of John and the two letters that follow. It's a little different than most of the other letters In the New Testament, it lacks that formal greeting at the beginning or a summative conclusion. It's written almost like poetry or as if transcribed from a very quick conversation. It has these um, loops and circles of a developing sequence of thought. And I will confess there was a solid afternoon um, this week when I weighed the pros and cons of just reading the entire letter as the sermon this morning. Uh, I obviously didn't. But there are a few things that we do need to talk about. Our text from this morning uh, starts at chapter 3. And John says, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. But what we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him. Friends, God loves you. God loves you. Despite all of your faults, your fears, your sin, your mistakes, your failures, your anger, no matter how hard you push away or fight against his love, he has named you as his child heir to the eternal kingdom and a life that exists beyond the boundaries of this world. And that's what we've been talking about. That is what we are right now. But as you've heard, that's not all we are meant to be. Over the past two months here, even just um, as your associate pastor, I've had the honor of presiding over two different funerals um, where this bit of scripture was used. But I'll level with you. I don't think it's intended for us once we pass on to see Jesus as he is. I think that's a word for us right here and now. We have the opportunity to see Jesus revealed in our own lives, to be like him, to live into the fullness of our creation. And as John goes on to tell us, this is not a new message. This is a message we have heard from the beginning. Love one another. There is nothing more God-like, more Christ-like than loving one another. To live in the light of love is not only to be with God, but to be like God. And that is what we are made for. John goes on to say that this was his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. And all who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. By this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit he has given us. 
Now, as I promised, I wasn't going to read the entire letter, but we're going to add in a few extra verses from chapter 4. And you may recognize this. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, because we talked about that last week. We messed it up. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, then God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another, then God lives inside of us. We are made to not only reflect God's love, but to show God's love. We must be more than a mirror. So when we talk about being created by God, about being with God, and now being like God, it all comes back to love. You were created by love. To be loved. And to show love. This prevenient love that God has for us. The love that existed before time began. The justifying love of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And now this continuing and sanctifying love of God. This ongoing presence of God is transforming us into whom God intends for us to be. Just like the mural that's up in the sanctuary, we are meant to be transfigured, transformed. What we will be has not yet been revealed, but we know this. We will be like him. John Wesley even wrote of this sanctifying process. He said, through God's sanctifying grace, we grow and mature in our ability to live as Jesus lived. As we pray study the scriptures, fast, worship, and share in fellowship with other Christians, we deepen our knowledge of and love for God. As we respond with compassion to human need and work for justice in our communities, we strengthen our capacity to love our neighbors, our inner thoughts and motives, as well as our outer actions and behavior are aligned with God's will and testify to our union with God. So church, let me ask you something this morning. Are you abiding in love? Are you living into the fullness of your creation? Are you currently engaged in the continuous process of sanctification and transformation? If the answer to these questions is anything less than a resounding yes, then I've got great news for you this morning. 
As the associate pastor for outreach and witness, I am tasked with providing you, the congregation, opportunities to show love to one another and to our surrounding communities. This week alone, through conversations with people who called the church and other men and women I've met around Lee Park in the downtown area, I wound up purchasing um, over $350 worth of camping equipment. A guy called the church. He and his fiance. he's out of work. they got medical problems, all these things. They, they, they're already on the lists over at the Haven and all this stuff, but they don't have anywhere to live. So I said, how can I help you? What kind of help do you need? He said, man, I could really just use a tent. I said, I, I can get you a tent. Any other camping supplies and things like that. And I went and got it for him, went and gave it to them. And when you hand something out and you go over to Lee Park and you're handing out these things, there's other people around who say, I could, I could use a new sleeping bag. My tent is full of holes. Robert, who's been coming to the 830 service, has been sleeping on the steps of our church. Blew my mind. Yeah, Robert, I can get you, I can get you an umbrella. I can get you a mat to lay out so the steps of our church are more comfortable at night. For the next three weeks, I'm going to be collecting camping supplies. If you have stuff at home that you're not using or you would like to donate, there's going to be tables set up right over here that say camping supplies on them. You can bring them in and show love to our brothers and sisters who are sleeping in the woods or out there in the park. Whatever you think they may need to be outside in the heat or eventually in the cool of autumn before Pachim begins, please bring it in and we'll put it right there so that if and when I'm talking to somebody or they call out there or maybe I just haul it out there in a cart and start handing it out, we will be providing them with stuff that they need and can use. I've also been in contact with the guidance counselor at a Title I school who has asked for any additional pairs of children's shoes. And I have imagined that if we collect a bunch, we can hand them out to a bunch of schools. Um, if they're in decent or wearable shape, they can be new or old, um, usually size 12 through adult size 6 will um, be a good starting point. But as a teacher, and I see some of my colleagues here, former colleagues and my aunt, who's a former teacher, you know those students who come in and their shoes are falling apart. Their flip-flops need to be glued back together. Just like in Charleston I was talking about. So we're going to collect shoes as well. If your kids have any um, old shoes they're not using, have them bring it in. That's a great mission and outreach opportunity that children can participate in as well to bring in some of their old shoes. Lastly, and this may be the most important, John in his letter was very clear about there being two commandments. We should love one another, yes, and the shoes and the camping supplies are two very tangible ways that we can do that. But the other commandment was that we should believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And I wouldn't be a very good pastor if I did not also offer an opportunity for you to do that as well. So, if we're singing the last hymn or otherwise like that, if you want to raise your hand, I don't know if I'll be able to, but somebody will come up to you. And they will pray with you. If you want to catch me after the service, let's talk. We can do it today. We can do it tomorrow. You can do it on your own or with a group. You can send me an email. You can drop me a note. You can text me. 
But we are to believe in him. That is what we are made to do. So friends, please know, you are not alone in this world. There are people here and a God above who love you and are willing, able, and ready to share that love. Amen. We're going to continue worshiping with the prayers of the people. Um, and then we'll sing another song. Who's Mary, are you praying this morning? All right. You got it. <laughs>